Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. With your host, John Frashante. Cosmos Country, welcome back. On this week's episode, we will review Cosmos beating the Railhawks this past weekend, 6-1. to What a great victory at home. Then we will move on to talk about tonight's victory midweek, Wednesday night, against Indy 11, 3-0. Bovair, Arango with two goals. A great performance by the boys in, in green. And then we, we will move on and preview the Fort Lauderdale Strikers on the road. The second time the Cosmos will face the Strikers. Carter Krishnari joins us to preview the Strikers and gives us an in-depth look at what the Strikers are doing at the moment. On the field and off the field, they moved grounds. They're playing the first three matches in their brand new stadium, and we, we will talk about that later on in the show. And some unexpected news something that I never thought we would ever talk about. I never thought this would happen. We will really get into this later on in depth. Hunter Freeman moving to Miami FC. Miami FC came in with a bid, a bid that the Cosmos just had to accept. We're never going to know what that bid is, how much it's going to cost Miami FC to buy Hunter Freeman. But like I said, it's something that the Cosmos had to do. I don't know why, but the price probably was too good. And he will join Miami FC in the next couple of days. So he did play his last match with the Cosmos. That was a victory against Indy 11. But let's first get into the 6-1 to victory against the Carolina Railhawks. What a match that was. A crazy, crazy match. The Cosmos dominated at home. And they they did what I wanted them to do. Uh, teams w- w- would come to Hofstra. And w- before this matchup against the Railhawks, Ray OKC came to Hofstra. The Rowdies came. And they proved to everyone in the league that they can beat the Cosmos or they can give them a fight. They can give them a run for their money. And I thought the Railhawks were going to come in here to Hofstra and do the same thing. But I was totally wrong. The Cosmos dominated for the full 90 minutes and they had to do that because they had to prove to the league that we're going to win at home, that we're great at home and we dominate the play when you come here. And that's what they showed. 
a great performance, 6-1. to one. Enough said about that match. Great performance, three points. And going into the match on Wednesday, you were hoping for that same performance against Indy 11. I would have never expected that same performance. I, I would have thought Indy 11 would put up some fight the first match against them. They, they were a great side. They were playing really well. Cosmos should have won that match, but Indy 11 got the better of that match. But the second time we faced them, midweek match, squad rotation for the Cosmos. We didn't see Lucky get the start. Like I said, Hunter Freeman played his last match tonight. And they won 3 to nothing. Bovair with the first goal in the 8th minute. Arango, a great goal in the 17th minute. And Arango, he missed 3 chances to score. 3 chances. I never saw Arango have that many chances to score in a match this season. But he's on fire. He is that type of player that we needed. With Senna leaving, this is sort of his replacement, but I'm hoping the Cosmos can get a younger replacement once Arango hangs up his boots. I'm hoping it's not at the end of this season because uh, on the broadcast, on the One World Sports broadcast, Shep Messing was talking to J.P. Della Camera, and he was saying that if this is Arango's last year playing for the Cosmos, then he's putting on a great performance, he's doing great, and he wants to go out on top. I don't know if that's true, if he wants to retire at the end of the season, but if he is thinking about that, he's doing a great job. He's bringing another championship to New York. That's what he's doing. He's leading the charge. He's not the captain. But he doesn't have to be the captain. He is another leader on the field, which is great to see. Uh, and then Arango scores his second goal of the night in the 73rd minute. To put the Cosmos up 3 to nothing. It would, in two matches, they got six points. Another match on Saturday against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, which is going to be an even tougher matchup because... When the Cosmos went to Fort Lauderdale, that was the last match of the spring season. They had to go to Lockhart and win that match. And they didn't win that match. They lost. And when they lost that match, Indy 11, I think it was that night or the following day, they had a score by four goals, and they did that. And Indy 11, they, they won the spring season, and the Cosmos didn't. And the Strikers made history by beating the Cosmos that night. It's the second time this season that the Cosmos are going to be facing the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. This time it's not going to be at Lockhart Stadium. It's going to be at Central Broward Stadium. They moved grounds. And they did that last week. They played their first match there. They played their second match midweek Wednesday night. As we record, they finished nil-nil. Uh, a nice scoreless draw against Minnesota United. And then to end out those three matches, they are going to play against the New York Cosmos Saturday night. What a very historic match to play at this new ground. At their new ground. It's not a brand new ground, but it's their new ground. Tonight they had a total of a little bit over 400 people in attendance. 
And I'm not the type of person to bash people's attendance. That's not what I'm here for. But that's not good enough. It's not good for this league as a whole. That's how I'm looking at this is as a league-wide thing. And I know a lot of people would say to me, well, it's midweek. What do you expect? The strikers, maybe they're not the most popular thing in Florida. I understand that. But maybe we should question the NASL of why are they having midweek matches? Me as a fan, as a, as a supporter of the league and the NASL, I enjoy midweek matches. But I don't think you're really playing for a crowd. I don't think they schedule a midweek matches to draw more people. In the middle of the summer, early on in the summer, maybe that's a great attractive thing to do. But August 31st, the end of summer, uh, people are getting ready to go back to work, go back to school, and so on. I don't think that's a great move as a league to have midweek matches. Another argument you can make is they're probably having these midweek matches so they can play to a national TV audience. And when you say that, that makes it more interesting. CBS Sports probably doesn't have a lot of things going on Wednesday night at 7.30. That's why they show Fort Lauderdale against Minnesota. You can probably draw some neutral fans. You can draw some fans that like the sport. Don't really know about the league. Open up a beer and go watch the match on a Wednesday night or a Friday night. That's what I feel a Wednesday night match is for the NASL. It's more playing for the national TV audience. You're not seeing record-breaking crowds on a Wednesday night. Hopefully we see those attendances on a Saturday night, on a Sunday afternoon. But I really think the NASL needs to look at midweek matches. They're great to watch. They make the league interesting because they put a lot of matches within uh, the couple of weeks. And they really pressure clubs to rotate their squad and they force them to be a better team. But I'm hoping in the future, maybe next season, maybe in the next couple of seasons, that things change. Maybe we're not going to have midweek matches towards the end of August. Maybe we're going to have them in a time where a lot more people can come to the match. Like the Cosmos, they had a deal where some sort of deal that they would bring kids and families out, and it sort of made it more entertaining for families to go on a midweek match and to make it more exciting for families. So maybe a club thinks about it differently, but I think things have to change uh, within the league uh, because we need, we need to have more people to the stadiums at a midweek match, but towards the end of August, it's not a great time to have a Wednesday night match. But nevertheless, send in your thoughts about that because I want to see how other supporters feel within the league at one team pod on Twitter. But moving on, Strikers-Cosmos, Saturday. It's going to be a great matchup. My three keys to the match. 
is number one, and this is the most important one. I say this one every week because the Cosmos do struggle defensively. We're going to struggle even more without Hunter Freeman. We have to be even better in the back against Fort Lauderdale. They're undefeated with their newest signing, Amari, from Juve, or he played for Juventus. Great player. And they have been undefeated with him. He's a very, very exciting player. So he is my player to watch out for on the strikers. But number one, defensively, they need to be compact. They were that against Carolina at home. They were great defensively against Indy 11. Indy 11 had some chances, but uh, they weren't great chances. They couldn't capitalize on them. They couldn't score goals. And that's what they need to do on the road against Fort Lauderdale. Can the Cosmos do that? Yes, they could do that. But the Cosmos struggle on the road. So key number two is to dominate the match. And hopefully we, we don't see the Cosmos struggling on the road. If we do see that, then I think we could question uh, the Cosmos' road to the championship. But we will talk about that next week to see how, how, the, how the Cosmos do against the Strikers. But my score prediction is a Cosmos 2-1 victory. That was the score line of the Strikers' victory over the Cosmos the first time we played them. But I think the Cosmos are going to have a fight to win this match. But I do see the Cosmos come out on front. We have a stronger squad. We rotated the squad. Lucky didn't get the start against Indy 11. So we most likely would see him get the start at the weekend. David Diosa, a very strong player. He might come on as a sub. So we do have a strong squad. We rotated it and we might rotate it again against the Strikers. Now let's go and talk to Carter Krishnire, who is the media consultant for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Great guy, knows a lot about the NASL and the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Here he is, the one and only Kardik Krishnire. I am joined by Kardik Krishnire, the Strikers communications consultant. How are you today, Kardik? I'm fantastic. Uh, great to be with you guys. So first things first, the first uh, time we talked to you this season, you were saying that you guys were going to move from Lockhart to Central Broward Stadium. You guys did that. Can you just talk about how the first match went and did uh, the fans enjoy it? Yeah, I'm actually at the facility right now at Central Broward Stadium as I'm speaking to you guys. I'm going through a a walkthrough for the game, uh, obviously. And it's, it's a fantastic facility. I think the thing that was... Um, obvious is that the ambiance is better, the seating is covered, it's a more intimate atmosphere, it's a modern facility, this is a 10-year-old facility versus a 60-year-old facility, which is Lockhart. So all of that is a net positive. The fans were very, very happy and very receptive. The few complaints we got uh, related to soccer considerations, the size of a pitch, the pitch is much narrower than Lockhart, it's shorter than Lockhart, it's 110 by 71, Lockhart is 116 by 72, so a much shorter pitch and, and slightly narrower. Uh, it's the same dimensions as Yankee Stadium for NYCFC, so, and you know how tight that is. Yeah. So this is going to be a tight pitch for, for the game Saturday. I'm not going to mince words about it. I'm not going to lie about that to you guys. Uh, it, it's, it's not uh, from, a, from a, a standpoint of, of, of 
nice, wide, expansive football ideal, but it is uh, as a facility for our fans and for the media. The media was so happy with the facility uh, replays and and, and uh, just the kind of uh, professionalism and, and atmosphere in a press box that we weren't able to provide at Lockhart, a massive upgrade for the club. Yeah, you touched on NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. That just doesn't look nice, but I'm, I'm hoping when a lot more people watch the Strikers, it looks a lot better. Uh, but you guys have three matches to sort of persuade the area to come to the new stadium. You guys have your match against Minnesota United. You have a massive match against the Cosmos at the weekend. Uh, so what are your thoughts going into the match? Right, so we've got, we've got the Minnesota United match. Obviously, an MLS-bound team, that's always attractive to fans here. Unfortunately, it's midweek. Uh, but they're a team that's going to be in MLS next year. That, that's certainly uh, attractive to soccer fans in this area. The Cosmos, always attractive, biggest name uh, in American soccer, arguably. The other two teams that would come to mind are the Galaxy and the Sounders. We're not going to play either of those two teams anytime soon. So the biggest biggest name on, on your calendar. And then... Um, Indy, who uh, won the, the, the spring season. So those are three matches in a row at home, uh, an opportunity to put together a good run, climb the table, uh, and more importantly than climbing the table, uh, results are one thing, but most importantly, convincing fans that this is a good facility and a good atmosphere to come and watch soccer game, whether you win or lose. And that's something we're really committed to doing and focused on doing right now. That is really great to hear. The NASL, they tweeted a great stat and they were saying since uh, Amari's introduction with the team, you guys are unbeaten uh, so far. So is that a player that Cosmo supporters should watch out for? Yeah, certainly he's, a, uh, he's, he's an accomplished player. He's a player uh, that's uh, scored 77 goals in his career in Serie A. He scored goals uh, in, in, at European, the European level. He's played in the Champions League four times. He's played at the Europa League in the Europa League slash UEFA Cup four times. So he's a high-level player. Uh, the type of player that you don't often see in this league, although we've had a couple of interesting signings this year. Joe Cole, obviously, is, is a big, big name. Uh, Juan Arango with you guys, big, big name. And um, and then uh, Amari. Those, those three uh, really uh, kind of stand out for everybody as being uh, uh, big-time, uh, high-end signings that have gotten the league a lot of attention in Europe. With the Strikers playing against Minnesota United midweek, do you expect some squad rotation? Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're already seeing uh, the the rotation policy in effect. Look, uh, and you know how this goes. You guys had a, a, a long Open Cup run a few seasons ago. Uh, the, the Strikers had a long Open Cup run this year, uh, getting to the quarterfinals, and uh, was able to and had to play all those games away from home, right, at D.C. United, at uh, Orlando City, although mm-hmm. that's not much of a road trip. I mean, that's kind of around the corner, but still, it was it was a it was a midweek game we had to play uh, against an MLS side, and then at um, at Chicago. That really kind of messed up the rotation in a way, and the recovery time, and all of that for the team. In addition to all the Wednesday games in in, uh, in NASL. So what's ended up happening is that. Uh, Coach Kyle Zanardi, who has a healthier squad now than he's had most of the season, is, is rotating. So we saw several changes between the Jacksonville game midweek, uh, which was uh, August 17th, and then the August 20th game against Ottawa. You will see the same thing between the August 31st game against Minnesota and the September 3rd game against New York. And that's um, what, what we saw at the time of the Open Cup run is the team uh, didn't had a lot of injuries, uh, we had uh, some depth issues because of those injuries, and guys had to literally play every game. So the same starting 11 that started against Orlando 
uh, on a Wednesday night and then bus back uh, to Fort Lauderdale at midnight that night. It's about a two, two, two and a half hour bus drive. Um, had to play that Saturday. Same started first 11 wow. against Miami FC. And then um, similar thing with a game in Edmonton and then three days later in Indy and then um, a game against uh, Carolina three days later and then to Chicago three days later. Really not much rotation at that time. Now some guys have gotten fit. Amari has been signed. Mike Constantos is fit again. Uh, you, you talk about Cleverson being back in the uh, in the side. Adrian Nino, he's regained his confidence and is, is playing an important role in this team. Uh, Manny Gonzalez has gotten more. Uh, and Manny Gonzalez has been with the team for four years. Um, he's gotten more games now and, and is very fit and looking lively. So, um, yes, we will see rotation for sure. With the Cosmos, like you said, we made some great pushes in the Open Cup. The Strikers had some success in there. They went far. The only NASL team this season to make a great run in the Open Cup. Uh, do you see them losing confidence because they got knocked out, or do you see them just trying to uh, move that on into their league form? Um, that's a very good question because I think, and I, I would be, again, uh, this is not meant to, not to be construed as a shot at, at NASL or NASL play, but the organization and everybody in the organization had put an emphasis and a priority on Open Cup and getting as far as we could in Open Cup. And we got to the quarterfinals, um, felt like we could have played better in that Chicago game, but we're worn down at that point. Uh, the hope was to get to the semifinals and draw someone like a Chicago or, or sorry, not like a Chicago, someone like a Los Angeles or Seattle, you know, a big name MLS team. No offense to the Chicago Fire, they're not bad. The Los Angeles Galaxy are that. Seattle Sounders are that. So, and and we were able to play Orlando City, which was huge for our local media because uh, Orlando City is like a, is a brand name in this state when it comes to this sport. They're the team that even our local reporters know and have more of a uh, passing interest in than they do a lot of them. And I'm not talking about the local soccer beat writers, but the general sports sports anchors and sports reporters. They have more of a uh, awareness and and. Uh, and um, and and interest in Orlando City's results, and they do in, in our results or Miami FC's results, so or Tampa Bay's results. So they they follow that team. So it was so huge for us to get a victory against them uh, up there, especially at the Citrus Bowl. Um, I think what happened was there was so much focus on the Open Cup and beating Orlando and trying to beat Chicago that uh, that kind of put the fall season and the league on the back burner. And um, you're just kind of recovering from that now. So you saw uh, the, 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 the team begin to pick up, the results begin to pick up in NASL play after we were eliminated from the Open Cup. But we, we went uh, almost two months. We went a uh, month and a half or close to two months without winning a game in NASL while we were beating MLS teams in the Open Cup because that was where the emphasis was. And I know you guys uh, following the Cosmos can relate to that because – You've been in that position, too. Uh, a lot of NASL fans can't relate to it because they're, they're used to seeing their teams lose uh, to USL teams or to the first MLS team they face. But um, we were in a position where we, we were progressing. We were beating MLS teams. And as I said, beating Orlando, particularly for building our brand and relevance here in the state of Florida, was huge. I mean, you can't, you can't buy that kind of publicity and that kind of um, credibility. So uh, that did kind of take away from our NASL campaign and put it on the back burner. Now... It's the only competition we're in, so that's where the focus is. You guys beat, or the Strikers beat the Cosmos for the first time. Uh, you guys made history. Do you expect something like that to happen again? Um, I think it's very possible because of the international break. And I have to say, uh, I, 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 this is a continuing issue with leagues playing through 
uh, international breaks. Look, uh, they, the uh, MLS has made a – not the MLS, right there, MLS. MLS has made a better effort this season to, um, to kind of have as few games as possible during international breaks. So they still play through them, but they don't um, – their teams have the option – some teams, if they have too many call-ups, they can, can try and get a game moved. It, it's um, it's a dilemma because scheduling is difficult, and you want your league to be relevant. But a team like the Cosmos, which attracts uh, big-name players yeah. and is a visible club around the world, uh, you want your players playing in internationals. I think Eric Stover and Gio want these guys, want these four guys uh, representing their nations. But then it, it potentially affects two or three games in your season. Um, so that's something the league has to think about going forward. I, I, uh, I sympathize with the Cosmos on this, but I think definitely because of that, there's a real chance for Lardo can win this game. And, um, Gio has done such a good job with this team. has done such a good job with the injuries and uh, losing players like Farfan and, and La Hood and Nico Cranchar, uh, Rovier. So for all intents and purposes, right. Um, recovering from that. And with a kind of a squad that's not that deep, really shaping a good team. So um, I'm sure he'll be prepared for, for losing the guys he's losing this, this coming week. But uh, it makes it challenging. So I, I think it certainly is an advantage for the strikers because of that. Yeah, the Cosmos will be without uh, three players. So with that in mind, would you want to see the NASL just take a break like the rest of Europe does? Or would you want to see us do like what MLS does? I think like what MLS does, because let's face it, there are a lot of teams that won't have any internationals, mm-hmm. uh, uh, any guys that are called up. So for in, in the Strikers case, for example, John Mark Alexandra is the only guy who would have been called in for this set of qualifiers. He would have been called in. Uh, he captains Haiti from time to time, but he uh, had suffered an injury, had surgery on Friday. He's out for uh, uh, an indefinite period of time, probably for the season, uh, for the remainder of the NASL season. So he... Um, yeah, so as of now, Fort Lauderdale has no healthy players called in for internationals, and I think that's the case with a lot of uh, the NASL clubs. But the Cosmos are in a different position because they attract a different kind of player mm-hmm. than uh, most NASL clubs. So I think the MLS approach of if there are teams, there are some teams like uh, uh, Columbus who always seem to get a lot of guys called in, and uh, uh, Dallas, those sorts of teams that get um, four, five, six guys called in for internationals. Uh, they they should be scheduled more flexibly. Whereas there's some teams in MLS that just have a roster of uh, uh, of washed up players or very young players who aren't getting called in, and uh, they can play right through the breaks. Those teams it doesn't matter. But teams like Columbus, I, I got a press release from Columbus uh, yesterday. They have I think five guys called up for qualifiers. So uh, they I'm not sure if they're playing this week. I know the last time this happened, Columbus did not play. So what? But then I guess what ends up happening? What I've noticed in MLS is because they've started doing this the last, last, last two seasons where they allow teams to break or they, they, they schedule flexibly for those teams, there are a disproportionate number of midweek games compared to previous seasons. That ultimately affects attendance and all of that stuff. So yeah. mm-hmm. I guess it's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah, so just the end of the conversation, Kardik, uh, what's your prediction? Most likely a striker's victory, but uh, what are you going with? Um, the safe prediction is 1-1. I think I'll go 2-1 strikers because of uh, uh, the, four, the four guys missing and, and the fact that Gio's got a pretty thin squad already. Uh, so we'll go, we'll go 2-1 for Lardo. Thanks, Kardik, for coming on, and uh, best of luck at Thank Central Brower Stadium. Thank you. Kardik makes a great point there. The Cosmos have three players that are called up to their respective national teams. In Europe they have an international break. 
they take a week off and they go to their national teams. They play different matches, World Cup qualifiers, friendlies, and so on. And that's what I want to see with the NASL. I want to see them take a break. Take a week off. But the only problem is there isn't that many players that are playing for their national teams. And Kardec said it earlier. The Cosmos have three international players. Andres Flores, David Oching. And I'm missing one. Let's get him right now. Uh, Andres Flores, Yasmani Duke, and David Oching. That are playing for the national teams. And that's a problem for the New York Cosmos. Is because you're going to be without those players. For the upcoming matches. That's not right. When you play your match. It should be an equal match. It should be fair for both teams. If you're without your star players. Then that's a big problem. And the Cosmos can win matches without these players. They can beat the strikers without Yasmani Duke, without Flores, without Ochang. We can do that because we have quality players. We have the money to have a bigger squad. But what happens if the strikers have, for example, five players that, that get called up? For example. They might not have a big squad. And that's really going to affect their league form. Maybe down the line when, when there's more international players playing in the NASL, then maybe we can go down the route of saying, okay, we're going to take a week off. And that's where I, I want to see the league going because that shows you that your league is really good because you're, you're, you're attracting better players. Like Kardec talked about, MLS, they have different teams that have different international players. And if they have a lot more international players, they can put in to move their match to another day. Maybe that's something that the NASL could do for now. But like I said earlier, the Cosmos could get away with playing these matches without their key players because they have a bigger squad. They can throw out Lucky and Arietta and David Diosa or Beauvert instead of Andres Flores. Throw out uh, Mendez, Mulligan instead of David Oching. That's why it's not going to hurt the Cosmos. But it's a great discussion to have because especially as a very, very young league I think it's only right that we have different discussions, like maybe if it's about the refs or if it's about uh, the international break and international players. And it's right to have these discussions because it's only going to help our league. It's only going to better our league in the future. There are some discussions that the league just doesn't want to have, but I think uh, they should talk about everything and be open about it as well because that's only way we will be able to grow as a league, uh, which is a great thing. So as we move on from uh, our match preview of the Strikers, uh, I think it's going to be a great match. 
and I'm hoping the Cosmos pick up nine nine points uh, within the week. That would be massive, massive with all those players out. Moving on to some unexpected news. Or at first it was a rumor. At first it was a rumor. Hunter Freeman being transferred to Miami FC or being sold to Miami FC. The first time I saw this was Jesus. He tweeted at me at one team pod. And he said, did you see this? Thank you, Jesus, for that one. Thank you, Jesus. And I was so shocked to see that. At first, I thought it was a rumor. I, I thought it was something that maybe some speculation, something that wasn't going to happen. But the publication that had it was AES. And they're a massive uh, Spanish media outlet. And uh, they have a NASL page now. And they cover the league. And that's great. That's great because they're sort of promoting the league. They're bringing some more Spanish-speaking uh, fans. And that's great, great to hear for the future of the league. That's why we're all here. We're supporting the league and we want to see it become better in in the future. But Hunter Freeman is a key player for the Cosmos. He's been here since day one. He's been a very important fixture in the Cosmos back line this season, in the past seasons. And he's a quality player. And there's some players on this team that, me personally, I'm not talking for the whole Cosmos supporters, but I never think of losing some players. At one time, I thought, I I just can't think of us not having Marco Senna anymore. When he was still playing for the Cosmos, I was still thinking in my head, I was saying, I can't picture watching the Cosmos not have a Marco Senna in their in their midfield anymore. But Hunter Freeman, I never thought about him not playing for the Cosmos anymore. Maybe him retiring, maybe him maybe the Cosmos getting rid of him or something like that. But I never would have thought of him being sold to Miami FC. So more people are talking about it. More people are talking about it different media outlets, then it's becoming real that it's going to happen. One World Sports even talked about it. So I would have never thought they would have sort of mentioned it on their broadcast, but they did. And it it, it was getting real. They were saying that it's going to be his last match, and it was his last match. The biggest question going around, and we're never going to know the official fee Miami FC paid for Hunter Freeman. It's not official yet. And like I said, we're not going to know about the fee. But according to D. Martinez of Empire of Soccer, we have a a little quote here from Giovanni Savarese, and he says, the transfer fee for Freeman is within the six figure within six figures I personally don't think that's a lot of money for Hunter Freeman I think he should be going for more than that a player that contributes a lot to your team 
that is a very important piece to this club from day one till today. I think he should have gone for more money. He's 31 years old. So he's getting older, but he's a very experienced defender. He he knows what he's doing on the field, and that's why Miami FC went after him. That's why they're buying him because they know what type of player he is. He's been doing it for the past couple of seasons with the Nero Cosmos, and he has league experience. And Miami FC are not stupid here. They they know what they're doing. They they go out there and buy Poku, they buy Michael Hood. They buy the captain of Jacksonville Ramada. Picture this. You you're going out there and you purchase the captain off of Jacksonville Ramada. That price was rumored to be I think over $700,000. The captain of Jacksonville Ramada. That that's crazy. That goes to show you that Jacksonville really needed the money at that point. But for the Cosmos to give up a very important Defender to Miami FC, a team that's going to be competing for players. And you hand Hunter Freeman to that team in the middle of the season is crazy. I don't understand this. And and this is just a massive sign that Miami FC are passing the Cosmos as a club at the moment. The Cosmos were up there. They were a big club in the league. They were buying the best players. They were spending the most money. And now you're seeing Miami FC come into the league. This is their first season. And they're buying quality players. They're not buying players on free transfers. During the season, they're saying we're not playing well or we can improve in these positions and they're going out there and they're buying different players to improve their team. And the Cosmos are not doing that. We're not going out there and buying players. We've never paid a transfer fee in the modern era. We've never done that. So when you think about that, we're sort of losing as a club to Miami FC. They're getting better players. They're taking our important player that maybe a lot of people don't give credit to. And they're buying him for a six-figure transfer fee. I don't think he should go for that little of amount of money. I think he should go for, and I'm being honest here, I'm saying somewhere close to a million dollars or two because I think he brings a lot to a team, a very experienced player, and that costs you money if you want to buy a player from a rival. That's what we are. We're becoming a rival to Miami FC. We've only played them, I think, two matches, I believe. One or two matches so far this season. But we are becoming a close rival. Their owner has a billion dollars. So he's not afraid to spend the money. I remember Eric Stover said, 
in an interview, I forgot what interview it was. I hear a lot of interviews with Eric Stover. Eric Stover said something like, we don't have a lot of money like how people think we do or something like that. And that's showing that the Cosmos are not willing to go out there and spend a lot of money. It's just a different philosophy. And we experienced this when Raul left, when Marco Senna left. And that switch just happened. The Cosmos, at the moment, are not going to go out there and buy top players. Maybe we will, but we're not going to spend millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy that player. That's not the type of club that we're running. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay that we're not going to be competing for quality players. I'm okay with that. But for us sort of losing on players and not competing well with Miami FC, a team that is going to be fighting head-to-head with us every single season, and they are beating us at the moment of buying different players and buying quality players, that's what makes me upset about what's going on within the league. And this is something that not a lot of people are talking about. Miami FC are the real deal. Mitchell Torres of the Day Brigade, the president of Day Brigade, told me before the start of the season that Miami FC are going to go head-to-head with the New York Cosmos. And I had him on the show, and we talked about this. I didn't believe him. I did not believe that because I would have never thought someone would want to sort of be like the Cosmos. Who would have the money to go out there and buy quality players? That's Miami FC. And that's why I think a lot of Cosmos supporters should be worried. We will have a lot more discussions about this. We will hopefully bring on Mitchell Torres once Hunter Freeman is officially announced. Maybe we'll bring him on next week on next week's show. I'm going to be looking forward to that. We will have this chat with him as well because I want to get his opinion uh, on this topic. Miami FC fan, let's get his thoughts on it next week. Uh, also, we're going to have a different discussion about where the Cosmos will play next season. I know we've had different discussions with Caesar Trellis, Cosmos supporter, but we're going to have a different one. We're not going to talk about where they're going to play, but we are going to talk about what the Cosmos have to do when they move to that stadium. If it's MCU Park, if it's Mitchell Field, we're going to talk about what the Cosmos have to do leading up to that first match at that stadium. So uh, I'm going to be really looking forward to that one as well. Last thing that we're going to talk about on this week's show is some listener questions. I went on Twitter, sort of a discussion question, with Hunter Freeman leaving the club, going to Miami FC, of course, would you want to see the Cosmos splash the cash, show the supporters and show the lead that we are willing to spend and buy someone for a transfer fee, make some history in the modern era? Or would you want to see a player from Cosmos B get promoted, sign a first-team contract, and take Hunter Freeman's role? At SoccerFan920, 
he said, well, they should invest that money into a player, but the Cosmos don't seem to spend on players, so a Cosmos B player. That's what I'm talking about, is we're not spending on players. On the other hand, a Cosmos B player is not the worst thing in the world. I'm trying to look at this as a supporter, and that's what what I am. I'm giving you my honest opinion as a Cosmos supporter. Before, I was giving you the realistic feel of what this transfer means. It's not just Miami FC handing money to the New York Cosmos and saying, we want Hunter Freeman. It's a lot more to that. The Cosmos may not spend on a right back this season. I I just can't see it happening. I can't see the Cosmos going out there, buying a right back or getting one on a free transfer in the middle of the season. The season's almost over. It's September 1st. We have two months left in the season. And in the offseason, that's when we're probably going to see different moves happen. Maybe we see a right back come in. But at the moment, I see that position being filled by either someone on Cosmos B or someone on the bench that's not getting game time. And that's the honest truth. Maybe we see Jimmy Mulligan come in and play right back. We saw him do that. A quality player. And he's young. He's a local lad. And once he came back from Salt Park Rangers, Geo has been sort of transitioning him into the first team. Maybe this was planned all along. Maybe they were having conversations in the past couple of weeks. And this is just... The official announcement now, Kyle McTurk, Cosmos B player, got promoted, another defender. Uh, Like I said, Jimmy Mulligan coming in and playing within the first team. Maybe this was all planned, and we're just hearing Hunter Freeman moving on right now. I don't know. This is just my theory right now, but we will have to wait and see. Another question or comment from at soccerfan920. Give him a follow. He he knows what he's talking about about the New York Cosmos. He goes on to say that I want to see what Hannah Wright will do. They should loan out players when the NPSL season is over if they have a pro contract. He's 100% right on the second part. The first part, yeah, Hannah Wright, I would, li- I would like to see him as well. That's Haji Wright's brother. I don't know how old he is. I know he's pretty young, but I really don't think we need any more strikers. Maybe in preseason, I would like to see that happen. Maybe get him some time in preseason to work with the coaches uh, to sort of transition into the first team. That's what I would like to see with Hannah Wright. But uh, about loaning out players when the NPSL season is over, he hit it on the head. And this is the problem that I have with Cosmos B and the Cosmos as an organization is it's great that they have a MPSL team. It's great that we have Cosmos B. We can bring in more players. We can have a bigger team. We can have a bigger organization. We can say bring in different players at a younger age and bring them into Cosmos B and play there. If they prove that they're a great player, 
then we can promote them. That's a great thing. Or if a player gets hurt, he can rehab with the Cosmos B. But what I don't like about Cosmos B, and I don't know if this is even allowed because it's probably some type of rules and some type of policies as a club that they have. But I think they should loan out players that have pro contracts and that they feel are going to be the future of the Cosmos. We see Trey Williams. We had him on the show. A great guy. A great guy. Play in QPR Youth Academy. Is playing for Cosmos B at the moment, or not at the moment, but he is still a player on the squad. They should loan out those types of players. Hannah Fright. Or maybe just promote some of the players that Geo feels that they will be a part of the squad in the future. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one because I... I I feel that they went pretty young with this year's Cosmos B squad. And I like that. But I want to see some consistency year to year. We don't see that a lot. We see a handful of players stay on. And then the rest of the team is brand new players. I want to see most of the squad stay on. If they have pro contracts. I understand if they're in college. Or maybe they get a different opportunity. Maybe abroad or with another professional club in the United States. But I want to see consistency year to year so we can see some progress. We don't see that at all with Cosmos B. We just see one year some players, second year some players, and we don't see a building process. We don't see that process. And I'm hoping next season we do. Hopefully Trey Williams gets promoted. Hopefully Kyle McTurk is not the only player to get promoted. And we will keep you updated each week, each week talking about Cosmos B. Uh, we should have, and we will sort of get this into the show next season, that we will try to have a Cosmos B feature where we will talk about the Cosmos B squad, maybe have an interview with a Cosmos B player each week where you can get to know each player on the squad because... I truly enjoy talking to Trey Williams and just get to know a footballer. Just to get to know a Cosmos player or a Cosmos B player is a nice conversation to have rather than just on the pitch talk. So uh, that's something that I would like to see get involved next season. So thank you everyone for tuning into this week's show. I truly appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at One Team Pod. Check out our website, firstteampod.com. Shop, blog, latest podcasts, and we were on a podcast called Low Limit Football. Go check that out, that podcast. We were a guest on there talking everything New York Cosmos. Once again, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Like I said, in the middle of the show, next week, hopefully, we will have Mitchell Torres, president of the Brigade, on the show. Just getting to know a bit more about the conversation that we had uh, about the two clubs, what's the future, uh, going head-to-head and competing for players, and how does he see, he see the Cosmos? Because Miami FC is on another level. And I will just leave you with that one. Send in your thoughts, your questions for next week's show, and whatever we talked about, 
whatever you feel about about uh, Cosmos B. Do you think that Cosmos should loan out some players? What do you think about Hunter Freeman going to Miami FC? Do you think it's a good move? Do you think do you think the Cosmos should have got more money for Hunter Freeman? What do you value Hunter Freeman at? Tweet us at one team pod with all your answers for those questions. Thank you everyone for tuning in. My name is Jarvis Shanted. Thank you once again for tuning in. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. The Borough Boys, the Benadol Cosmos, and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and White. What we bleed, you see and fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo Country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely songs come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of it is, the rap from here, attacks, hash, and bliss. Reacts, tap, and we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stacking the wing, going back to the tank, the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. If that's Girl, down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like shouting cues aloud to you without a dude. I'm with crews, I'm checking that's no excuse. Each session and lesson is not about perfection. The work's the test and F's connected like a method. Not breathless at the training, something's gotta be corrected. Rushing and acceleration at the start's most suggested. Infected with greatness, potential is spacious. Out the world, just face it. The work becomes contagious. Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun. Sorry if you hate it because I can tell you that I'm far from done.